This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. This week, we're going to talk opening weekend rule violations, and we have an extremely special guest right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Baseball family, welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Brig, and I got the big Bradmaster here with me. How are you, Mr. Bradman? I'm doing well, Brig. Thank you very much. How are you Good. today? I am outstanding. Good. My fridge broke, so if somebody could send help, that would be great. But otherwise, things are magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> you need to find somebody who went to DeVry at least for a year, because then they can fix anything with a plug. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's, that's a baseball right family. If you life. know a thing about it, please jump in the comments and let me know. I will be throwing away all of my food as soon as I get done here. It's very exciting. Oh man! <laughs> all Not right, a good day. Let's talk about the great days we've had in the immediate past with opening weekend. Brad, it has been such a great opening weekend for some, such a terrible opening weekend for others. And uh, it continues to be interesting no matter what, no matter where you fall on the continuum. It continues to be fascinating, specifically given the rule situation. We're going to get into that. However, uh, after opening weekend, there were 50 games on opening weekend. This is the inauguration of the pitch clock, bigger bases, no shift, etc. Compared to last year, we have some statisticals we would like to bring you. Okay, everybody wants to know. Whip out those statisticals. I will, man, because everybody wants to know exactly what just exactly is shaken, and I'm going to say exactly 17 exactly more times, okay? Average length of game is down 29 minutes overall. 29 minutes. And I keep hearing the broadcasters bring it up, and this is exactly how I feel. Yes, the games are um, moving quicker, but the game play is not moving quicker. This is right. not affecting any of the actual baseball happening on the field all this is doing so far as far as i have seen with maybe one or two exceptions the only impact this has had is in downtime and dead time zero baseball activity has been affected is that how you feel brad i do and i think that after you pointed out last week about how i was kind of a little bit upset that there was a game that was like under two just a shade under two hours right it's an hour and 57 minutes and he said okay but that same game if it's two hour two and a half hours all you're getting is 30 minutes of boring right and we talk about it later in our interview that we have running today it's it's the same thing that like they're cutting out all the stuff that nobody cares about nobody wants to see getting to the next next pitch quicker which is what we want like we shouldn't want to be able to look down at our phone between pitches because when you're watching a football game yeah maybe you look down a little bit but you're still watching the replay you're watching how everybody's lining up you're engaged in what's going on during a football game right for sure and yeah. that's what you Basketball want in baseball too. 
Yeah, basketball. Well, you're basketball. You're just watching the back and forth. Same thing with soccer. But with baseball, right. like you, you should want to be engaged between pitches. You shouldn't be bugged that like, oh, I can't scroll Facebook between pitches <laughs> anymore. Right. Right. Like all that stuff should be cut out. Yeah. And I think that it's great. I think it's the way that it should be. I've caught myself a few times. Like, oh shoot, I need to put the phone away. Missed three, four pitches in a row. Exactly. I've missed a couple of pitches here and there as well for the exact same reason. Just and I, it. baseball family, am here for it. It's changed my rhythm. It's changed the way I interact with the game. I went to a AAA game yesterday. Fabulous. Went to the Charlotte Knights game, and it was so much fun. But it did move at a different clip. And even in person, though it is a little less noticeable in person than it is yeah. on television, I will admit that, it still moved at a, at a respectable pace. And I didn't, I, I didn't have any problem with it. It was fabulous. Mm-hmm. It, it was to the point where I was in person. We were, we just got outside the netting, and I was, I had a couple of little ones with me. So I was explaining the game, but I had to keep my eyes on the field while I was explaining the game. Previous iterations, I would be able to turn, have almost a full blown conversation, right. maybe whip out a slideshow if I wanted to. Now <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> You got to be short and concise. I got to I got to get it tight. I got to keep yeah, that my right. advice and my my input tight, which is actually yeah. really great for me, Mr. <laughs> Words. Um, some of the other statisticals we've seen: batting average is up 15 points. Now I know all of you who are against batting average. If you're a sabermetrics person, you're going to say, "Wah wah!" Who cares about batting average? I care. I'm one of the old school guys that still thinks batting average is a relevant statistic. And I will I will die on that hill. So well, it's a basic it's a basic statistic. It's an easy way to measure this that you can just look is. like okay, guys are getting on base fifteen percent more. Yep, works. For and them. okay, it it helps us retroactively compare ourselves to the past, which is another big thing for me. So and right. I, that that's fresh on my mind because I'm bringing some people into baseball right now for the first time, and it's very exciting. Right. So batting average is a great easy statistic to explain to people. On base percentage is also up 15 points. Slugging is up 14 points for you sabermetricians. Ah, that's a big word. There were 41 <laughs> more attempted stolen bases and 41 more successfully stolen bases just in the 50 games over opening day weekend. Okay, that success rate now has jumped 15.9% across the board. It's up to like 80 something percent. That's awesome. It's it's a it's like 84. I don't remember. It's like 84%. Listen, Anthony Volpe, who's my pick for American League Rookie of the Year. He has stolen three. He stole three bases in the first three games of the season. One per game. Pretty fantastic. It is pretty fantastic. I th- I think it's great because this is the thing is that like the reason teams weren't stealing bases is because pop times got so fast, catchers got so good that it's it was like the re- like this is the reason that they weren't doing this cuz they're like why would we risk an out when we have a guy on base right now? Yeah. Like I don't care if he's in scoring position. We're trying to hit the ball over the fence anyway. But now yeah, it's like, right, okay, launching. Well, no, that might not work. So what we need to do is we do need to move this guy into scoring position. And now that stolen base success rate is up almost 16%. Yeah. I like my odds. And if like your name is Corbin Carroll, you really dig your odds. Yeah. Because homeboy stole back-to-back bases against, well, I think, Will Smith versus, when they played yeah. the Dodgers in yeah. Chavez Ravine this weekend. Um, and they went uncontested. 
There well, was not even an attempted throw. Well, he he bobbled like he bobbled as he's bringing it back, just to, just enough that he couldn't get the throw off. Only Most on guys, the first one. Well, it not on, on the second, second one. Too. It did happen on the second. Did it? One. Oh, yeah, I thought it, it was just a really yeah. clean transfer. But this is the thing, one. though, is that it wasn't enough that like most guys in the league, he still would have made the throw, right? But and not above Corbin Carroll, guy with got a guy with above average speed, he would have gotten him. But Corbin Carroll is lightning, so grease no lightning. That dude was cooking. And have you yeah. seen? I hate to harp on the Anthony Volpe train too much, but the dude like does this hop thing. And it gains him like four feet. It feel when you oh, look really? at it, you're like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> he's like, he's skipping four feet, and then he and he's in a dead sprint. It's magical. <laughs> so it's like his secondary lead is like this big hop that he takes. Yes, yeah. So he's there, and he's gamesman. You know, he's doing the gamesmanship yeah, yeah. thing. And then as soon as the pitcher's leg comes up, he prances like a deer, and then boom, he's gone. And you're like. What is happening? Cool. I'll, have to, I'll have to keep an eye out. I'll, I'll send you some stuff. Stuff. I got all the homer okay. picks all day long. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> there were 40 clock violations, 4 0, 40 clock violations, which sounds like a ton until you realize that was across 50 games. That's a less than one clock violation per game average. So for the dis the disruption fans, the fans that think this is going to be ma- massively disruptive. That has not proven the case. There have been some isolated incidents, and we'll get into that. But overall, the pitch clock violations have been largely a non-issue so far. Right. I think that has to do with adjustment periods. I think that has to do with clarity. People are really starting to understand what they can and can't do and where the lines really are. And there have been some anomalies that we'll get into. But, Brad, what do you think about pitch clock violations so far? I think that number is as high as it's going to be all season. I think, like you said, adjustment period over this first weekend. Like a lot of guys have gone through spring training with it, right? So they've had their time to adjust and play with it, see what works for them. But then you get into the regular season and the pace is different, right? Yeah. Things are different in the regular season. The lights are brighter, the stadium's bigger, everything. Literally, everything is different. Yeah. Only is the same, really, is the bases and the players. But, anyways, I think that guys are still adjusting come regular season pace with the pitch clock. And. 0.8 per game i think it's going to go down from there it's only going to going to go down and we're going to get guys who come back off the off the injured list like bryce harper has talked about it over the over the weekend on interviews and things like that he doesn't like it yeah. but he also has a really extensive uh routine before he gets in the box he does so there's that right like yeah some guys coming off the aisle who have not had a chance to get into the box with the pitch clock there's there's going to be a little bit more of an adjustment, but the vast majority of the league will have had time and it's going to go down. So yep. it, it's it's not going to be as pronounced as it was this weekend. And even then, like not even one per game. I, I'm curious how many anybody over the weekend saw like the average fan saw over the weekend at that rate. Well, and with at the pace things are going, it's either going to be one of two things. You're either glued to the television because you realize that you, it's it's no look away situation right now, and you noticed it, and it was disruptive enough that you're like, oh, "What happened?" Or you forgot three pitches had happened, and it was in the middle of that gap where you went to get a drink or something, and came right. back, and it already happened. You didn't see it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I will say this about the pitch clock though: is that like, there's one thing about it is I it's there to to increase the pace of play. The umpires need to get out of the way. 
Always. And the problem that I have with this whole this is the this is like the one problem I have with this whole thing is that the umpires cannot help but make the whole thing about them. Every time they put their arms up, they go walk out in front of the mound, right? And then they walk up to the pitcher. That's on you, ball one, right? Yeah. Every yeah. single time. You don't need to walk out in front of the plate. Throw your hands up. Everybody knows it's it's time, right? Well, and on. just yeah, and then just say ball one. Just issue okay. it. Yeah. Now get back to it. Yeah. They don't need to go out there, stand in front of everyone. This man henceforth has violated the pitch clock. <laughs> Therefore, he has been awarded one ball to the batter. Thank you. That's and right. now proceed and then go back behind home plate. Like That's not how things need to be, but that's how things are right now. That's how it feels they every are. single time. Well, and it depends on who is behind home plate, but you're right. that That's happening a lot. And it's, it, it feels like the warning they issue before somebody's going to get ejected. Right, if it it's does, like you yeah. threw at somebody. It's very remember aggressive. when they throw behind somebody or you throw at somebody, and they're like, "Listen, <laughs> knock it off." That's how they're treating it, and it's a or little bit shame, absurd. sir. Or shame. Yeah. I'm calling your mom. That's <laughs> exactly like... how it feels. But so let's dumb. let's skip down to this real quick because uh, it's I think it's on, it it's on the line. Yeah, it's on the line of summer. Here we go. Right here. So we had the thing with Jeff McNeil. We also had the thing with Raphael Devers, right? Yeah, let's so talk about it. For those of you who don't know, the opening day, Raphael Devers was the first batter to be called out on a pitch clock violation because he was not in the box, face forward, ready to address the address the pitcher, right? Hello, pitcher, throw me the ball. He wasn't yes. ready. But in his defense, this is one thing that I think is like missing with the verbiage of the rule is that the pitcher wasn't on the rubber with eight seconds left. Therefore, no. Raphael Devers, I think, assumed he had another second or two before he had to be ready. And it was one the, half a second. Right. Yes. It was the pitcher that close. should have to be on the rubber at eight seconds as well. You can't yeah. have pitchers standing there waiting for four seconds and then quit pitching a guy. Like, I think the safety goes both ways. Right, Agreed. the pitcher should be forced to be set at eight seconds with his foot on the rubber, at least taking in the sign. He doesn't need like I, I say set. He he doesn't shouldn't have to be yeah. set, right? Right. But he should have his foot on the rubber, ready to receive the sign or whatever, so the batter sees like almost like make an eye contact. Ready, ready. Like we're, we're ready. doing this. Yeah, I'm gonna throw a, sh a blunt object at your face right now, and I'm gonna hit it with a club. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that really bugged me. I I understand why it happened and everything, but yeah, like it's got to go both ways. The other one, the other odd one was Jeff McNeil was given a strike because they said that Pete Alonso took too long to get back to first base. He did. I thought it made good logical sense, to be honest with you. Yep. Like I, really... but the uproar, the uproar also makes sense. Because that has not henceforth been stipulated or previously stipulated. It right. is now henceforth and forever. That's what I mean. But previously, no, this is one of those anomalies nobody saw coming and nobody expected. So uh -huh. nobody said anything about what to expect. It was never brought up. Um, I'm sure that they, the umpires clearly got the memo and I'm, the teams must have. But we didn't as fans. So right. it was a little upsetting. Well, so, Until you started processing it. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And this is the other thing, though, is the MLB actually issued an apology to the Mets and Jeff McNeil, big all-star and everything. Like, they issued an apology to him and said, "We're like, this shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, MLB did say that players will be warned for lollygagging in the future. Because it did feel harsh. But then my question is, where's the line? And I guess the warning is the answer because you can't call him out. 
That's too aggressive. Because that's that's the only other solution to the problem. Right. So in the absence of a warning that all they had was what they gave him, which was a strike. Yeah. And I'm sure the umpires at that point were like, we got to do something about it. We don't know what. This is the only thing we know to do. (laughs) Right. And I hate to, I mean, I don't hate to. I'm going to throw a little empathy at the umpires really quick because it might be unpopular. But they're under the gun just as much as everybody else, right? They're getting used to the new rules. They're getting used to the new backlash from those rules. They're getting used to all this stuff that they have to remember that's brand new. And I know we can't woe is me with the umpires. Like, I got it. They're a professional. We we don't do that here. That's not what we're about. Yeah. But at the same time, like, (laughs) did it occur to him to issue a warning? Probably not. Is it his discretion to issue a warning? Absolutely. What kind of pressure is he feeling from his superiors and the union of umpires? We don't know. It's very likely that they are getting as much pressure as the players and the managers and everybody else. So just one step of empathy would help me out if everybody could do that. (laughs) This one time. (laughs) Never again. Never again. I don't know that I'll ever do that again. (laughs) Brad, uh, before we get into surprises about opening day weekend let's talk about baltimore for a moment because baltimore stole five bases against the red sox on opening day alone alone they stole five more in the second game against the red sox they're the first team to have 10 stolen bases in their first two games since 1901 (laughs) amazing it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. Old school base running. I love it, man. And it's with an old school franchise like that, this is great. Yep. And I think I think being being aggressive on the base paths is what's gonna set Baltimore apart from a lot of the middling teams the rest the rest of this season. So it's gonna Good. get them to the, the that next step because if they've got that kind of speed, it's tough to beat. Really tough to beat. There will be a few teams they can't run on. Yeah. But they're going to exploit it when they can. That's for sure. I, who who do you think they're going to have a hard time running on now that we have the balanced schedule and there's a lot more catchers they're going to face? Cleveland, for one. You don't run on Mike Zunino. Mm. Like, yeah. Julio tried to run on him this weekend. I was like, everybody in Seattle should know you don't run on Mike Z. Honestly, I was I was mad at Julio for even trying, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. You can't steal on that, dude. Um, I think they'll have a hard time. Might have a hard time against the Phillies. Phillies, Mm. I think, will sort things out. Um, But they'll have a hard time running on JT Realmuto. Um, Probably have a hard time running on Cal Raleigh. He's he's good at getting guys. Um, Sean Murphy in Atlanta. I wouldn't run on Sean Murphy. No. Um, Another homer pick, don't run on Jose Trevino. I'm sorry. Just don't do it. Um, yeah. but that's probably it off the top of my head. Jonah Heim is a guy you can usually get, get a base on, but that's mostly on his pitchers. I feel like, Ooh, you know, we forgot Wilson Contreras. I wouldn't throw, I wouldn't run on Wilson Contreras, oh, yeah, either. On Wilson Contreras especially either. to third base. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is about him throwing to third, but the dude, it's just not smart. It's not smart. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's nobody covering the bag, that's your only chance. <laughs> and the ball goes into left field, and you take home. So, Brad, 
What are your biggest surprises from opening day? Maybe one, two, three, however many you want. What do you think? I'm surprised, first off, that the Phillies haven't won yet. They lost it's early. Tonight. They just yeah, lost. That's what I'm saying. I know. Like it's early, and I, I wouldn't be concerned. Like I'd be bugged, but I wouldn't be concerned as a Phillies fan because mm-hmm. it's so so early. Like that's a big one for me. And the thing is, like, it's not like they're losing close games either. <laughs> they got blown out by the Rangers. <laughs> they lost eight to one just now. Yeah, like they're getting blown out. Like their their bats have not made the trip up from Florida yet. Um, that's surprising. Um, I uh, shouldn't be, but I am surprised. We're going to get into this actually next uh, about how good the Marlins throwbacks looked on Friday. Oh, I was excited, but I did not know it was going to be like that. I was unprepared. <laughs> so, <laughs> those, same. <laughs> those, those uniforms were ahead of their time. They need HD TV. I'm so, I, Oh yeah. They did they, not look that good on standard definition when we were growing up in the nineties. <laughs> not one time. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Not even one time. Makes me want to wonder what Samson feels about it. <laughs> we should message him and be like, Homie, <laughs> <laughs> did you know? Did you know? <laughs> you knew, didn't you? He's got one time in know. his office. You know, he he's, know. he's known the whole time. <laughs> he wonders what us peasants have all been wondering about. <laughs> he's probably right. I'll text him tomorrow. I'll see what he's you doing. Should. You should. He's up. He's watching a movie. Just text That's him true. now. Yeah. So, what about you, Brig? What are your big surprises from the weekend? Uh, so we already touched on it, but one of my biggest surprises was the, the lack of pitch clock violations. I thought they'd be a little higher than they were, honestly. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased it's a pleasant surprise, but it was a surprise. It was definitely a surprise. Um, I am, uh, again, another pleasant surprise was just the sheer volume of attempted stolen bases. Like we knew they'd be up, but I did not. I was not ready for how up they have been. I'm thrilled about it. Is it too much? Maybe. Is it great for baseball? Yeah. Is it making me very happy? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not upset, but it's a lot. And that's, that's pretty cool. I wonder what they're going to do, you know, beginning of next season so let's let's just fantasize for a minute that this pace continues throughout the rest of 2023 what shenanigan rules are they going to come up with for next year they'll be like all right make the bases smaller okay (laughs) (laughs) we gotta make the bases smaller we're gonna put home plate nearer second base (laughs) I don't know what they're got to give the catchers a chance. You can't, you can't, you can't take your foot off the bag until the pitcher's arm is moving forward. I don't know why I'm using this accent, but it feels right. I just don't know. Amazing. If it gets exploited like it's been exploited opening day weekend, then somebody somewhere going to have to see be something upset. along those lines. There's a chance for sure. I don't know. So I think those are my biggest surprises over the weekend, and I'm just plainly thrilled by all of it, actually. Yeah, it, it, it was shift, a good weekend. It was fun. The shift ban has been a, just a marvel for me. I know everybody has their opinion on it, but the amount of base hits we saw and the amount of small ball that was produced and stolen bases, and we saw bunts. We saw I saw a no-out bunt. <laughs> I was like, this is fabulous. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just love, so, I'm having so much fun already. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about the Marlins uniforms. So, hey. social media about blew up on Friday because these things looked so 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 good. We talked about that, but but they they did get some hate. Because that great big ADT logo on the sleeve. Yeah. Now, we haven't talked about this a whole lot yet. We've kind of dabbled here and there about it. touched on it. Yeah. But do you think that the ad on the sleeve is that big of a problem? Look, I've made it very clear in the past, and I'm going to say it again, because this is the prime example I've been waiting for for my gilded soapbox. Are you ready? Let me just sneak it out here. Step right on up. Okay. Um, they need to be in the team's colors. If they're not going to be in the team's colors, I'm going to have a problem with it. And this is why. It sticks because out. Because so it, it clashes. It, it doesn't make any sense. There's no continuity there. There's nothing about it looked good. And uh, I, I don't understand. The Motorola one that they wear on the Padres uniform looks fine because there's no color contrasted uh, issues. There's none. So I like color. Right. I like color theory. I understand parts of that enough to to go, you know, and I'm like, that's how it made me feel every time I saw the patch on the sleeve. Yeah, and I can see that, but I don't know, like, it doesn't super bug me like that much, you know, like when you're when the game is being played, I don't notice it. Like, not I know when there's that, action. Yeah, I know that the that the sleeve is supposed to be facing towards the camera when the batter is at the plate, right? So like a right-handed batter is going to have a left sleeve and everything. But it's still not so big that it sticks out. Like my thing is that as long as they're not going to get to the soccer kit where you see the advertisement more, way more prominently than the team name or the right. team crest or logo at all, like that's where I would really have a problem with it. I don't care if you've got the Nike Swish on the chest. Everybody has that now. Like that's that fine. is – professional sports that's fine and honestly the patch on the sleeve is a better solution than a lot right that's a better place than than you could have it yeah most like most places you could have it on a baseball jersey like because you could have it on the back you'd have it down the side anything like that you could have it below the numbers but just on the patch like it's really discreet and i feel like the reason it was getting so much hate was because there's one particular picture in the marlins dugout where everybody was facing in such a way that there was like a cluster of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, it's there and it's in our faces. But I don't know. I don't feel like it's as big of a deal as what people are making it out to be. I do think it should be the co- the team's color, though. Like the that's like my the only Padres request. Motorola. Yeah, that's they should just, they just should. make it just make it more subtle, or or make it black. Like in the case of the Marlins, so ADT doesn't want to get away from their navy blue, and they wouldn't want to go with a teal or whatever. That's fine. Make mm-hmm. black. It's okay. Yeah. Just monochrome that bad boy out. You'd be all right. Yep. So, I guarantee you they have a monochrome logo somewhere that they use. Of course they do. And it's on letterhead uh, that doesn't have color printer or whatever. So they've not, it's not like they've never done it before. It's, it's right. happened. Yeah. Yep. That's all. Exactly right. Yeah. All right. Rick, let's move talk on. About Gary? Yeah. Gary. L. Gary. <laughs> oh man, Gary Sanchez signed a minor league deal with San Francisco. He's now a giant, uh, which is different. Kind than of. He was a giant kind of. pain in the butt. So <laughs> he's <laughs> thanks, Brad. Uh, no, he signed with their minor league system. I think he he's going to join their spring training facility in Scottsdale. Um, after a while, we're not sure what affiliate he'll end up with at what level. It'd probably be the AAA level. I can't imagine I would him think going so. Anywhere. Yeah. If he goes any further south than that, then 
he won't be a giant pain in anybody's butt anymore. And that's awesome. So, um, but yeah, he's going to report like right away. He's got a clause in his contract that's going to offer him $4 million bonus if he does make it to the big league level again this season. For me, this feels like an insurance policy. Um, he can opt out of the deal by what, like May 1st or something like that in the event yeah, of? If he, if he doesn't make it to the big league roster by May 1st, he can opt out and go try to get on somebody else's team. And yeah, it'll probably which be is a really, thing. Yeah, that's right? a really friendly option for him. Honestly, it's a miracle he's not looking abroad at this point, that he's not trying to find a you know a Mexican team or or somewhere in Asia to play. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in Korea this year. That's yeah, I, and I could see it. And honestly, he'd probably do really well in Korea. He'd probably have the time of his life, and um, sure would, it'd be yeah. a good experience for him. But he's just not at a big league level quality right now, and that's okay. Well, that's the thing. It's certainly not defensively, right? And I don't know that he no. necessarily ever was defensively. No, and level, he has right? made some improvements defensively, but it's just not been enough. Not when you have, you know, we just named a whole bunch of catchers and Gary Sanchez right. doesn't belong anywhere in that conversation. Right, exactly. Right. Sorry, yeah. and it just is. I'm I'm a little biased. I'm a little, like, rigidly against Gary Sanchez just because he was such an anchor uh, in a bad way. He was such a dead weight anchor for the Yankees for such yeah, a long time. especially at the end there. Yeah. At the end, it was really bad. So, um, anyway, sorry for my sort of like vindictive side coming out. But there you go. That's how I feel about El Gary. Um, <laughs> speaking of people to be angry at, <laughs> if you're so inclined, you could be angry at Anthony Rendon, who has been suspended for four games, which was reduced after it was reported that it was a five game suspension. It's now four. He got into an altercation with a fan. And if you've seen the clip, he. <laughs> He's getting he's being taunted. There's a lots of chirping going on from the stands. And then he reaches up, grabs the guy by his shirt, and pulls the guy's shirt through. What were they in? Where were they? Oakland or something? They're in Oakland, yeah. Pulls the guy's shirt down through the metal grating of the uh, separating the grandstands from the field with the tunnels where the players go through. It's such a terrible stadium. Anyway, um, just throw that out there. Anyway, and he was there's a lot of banter back and forth, but it technically it did get physical. And I think that's where the the uh Major League Baseball came in and, and said that's the line. I think. Well, the thing is, I mean, he swung at him too. Like and and this is the thing that's crazy to me, is like as a wait, as Rendon a, swung at the guy? Yeah, he swung he swung an open hand at him. He went to slap him, oh. but the dude stepped back and he and he missed him, he dodged it. Oh, I didn't um, see that part. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was like right at the very end before Rendon walked away. But this oh. is my thing, though, is like Dan Levitar talks about this all the time. Like it's the way that he says it is kind of funny, but it also makes sense that you cannot fight the paying customers. It's true. That's that's the way that works. Mm. Like there's a there's a saying that says the customer is always right. Was the guy right to call him names? No, but was he well within his, his rights to do it? Yes, because there was no physical harm. He didn't threaten any, any harm to Dave, to him. He called him a name. Yeah, right. And I don't get me wrong. I'm not just. I'm not saying he was okay with. Like, you shouldn't shouldn't do that. Right. Should be called. They're not names. caged animals. They're people. Don't call them names. Totally. Flat out, yes. Right. But at the same time, though, like sticks and stones, man. Like you've got to you've got to be able to you've got to be able to have that attitude. And as a professional athlete making that kind of money, you've got to be able to brush that off because in the end of the at the end of the day, you've got the job that guy wants. 
Right. You're living the life that that guy wants, and that's why he's calling you names. I think so. Like you've got to be able to brush it off, and I, I understand it's not always easy because you get it For over sure. and over and over again. But man, you can't grab a guy by the shirt, much less swing at him like that. That's uh, no, okay. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely not okay. right. And you know what Rendon's done with this as well is he's giving every single fans at every single stadium that the Angels travel to this year. He's given every single fan in those stadiums ammo because they know there's a trigger word. Yeah. And they know that it's going to get under his skin. He's going to hear it at every ballpark yep. the rest of the year. You're absolutely right. Well, and so to defend Rendon here for a minute, he's frustrated. I think, first well, of all, yeah, wouldn't clear, you be frustrated playing in Anaheim? Yes. I would be too. Yes. But let me make it clear. I agree with you. He should never have done this. This is way a violation of all the things, every implied and written and I don't condone it at all. However, that guy pushed all the right buttons, and those buttons are pushable. And they're there for a reason. The poor guy, his life just plain sucks right now, and it has for the yeah. last at least two years. So, I, I mean, longer than that, but, I mean, <laughs> we've been really harping on how rough it is in Anaheim right now for the last yeah. couple of years. So, I'm telling you, you know, you, you just – Wow, I'm taking all kinds of sides tonight. You got to go out. Your heart's got to go out to him a little bit. Yeah, and and, I, and that's what I said. Like, I think I commented on it. Somebody shared it to the VIP group. And I was like, man, playing in Anaheim's really gotten to him. Yeah, yeah. Kind of joking, but at the same time, like, not really. I, I don't think it's a joke. Crazy eyes, like, man, you don't know what I'm going through every day. You don't know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> this was the trigger. This is the straw that put me over the top, right? Yeah, uh, and honestly. So sorry that that's true because it it's true. Um, do you think four games is enough? Is that the right amount or no? No, I'm sorry, but like I said, you can't attack the paying customers. I'm not saying he needs to get fired, but four games isn't very many in a 162 game season. Anthony Rendon's gotten off pretty easily the last couple of years of suspensions. I'm pretty sure he got put on timeout. That's how I look at this. <laughs> yeah. Just, Go sit crisscross applesauce in front of the front door, and when I'm ready, I'll come get you. <laughs> yeah, at least he's not injured this time. Last year he was injured, and they just took him off the IL early so he could serve yeah. suspension while he's already while he's still recovering from an injury. But yeah, you're right. No. Anyway, last thing we have for you before we take a break and bring you what is truly a very exciting interview. We are thrilled about this interview. But before that, the Braves are going to retire. Andrew Jones, number 25 jersey on September 9th. Now, this is going to happen before the Bla the Blaves, the Braves play the Pirates. Um, Brad, yeah, I have so many questions. The first one is, <laughs> if you are running things in Atlanta, do you retire Andrew Jones' number? I think so, and I probably would have done it several years ago. Okay, he retired in 2012. Please. Andrew Jones is one of the best defensive center fielders we've ever seen. Um, I don't know. I still don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Maybe because his last few years weren't that great, and he was only an All Star three times. But the guys, that he, his contemporaries, were really, really, really good as well. Correct. Right. It's it's hard. It's hard to get into the All Star game, depending on like who your competition is. But I don't know. 
I think I think Andrew Jones was an electric player. is very exciting and obviously meant a lot to the Braves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as somebody who grew up watching the Braves on TBS, I loved Andrew Jones. He was one yeah. of the guy. He was one of my favorite players. Obviously, Griffey was my favorite player because because he's a Mariner and he's Griffey. But Andrew Jones was right up there behind him. Yeah. And so maybe I'm super biased, but no, I think it's taken too long. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm agreeing with you. I think that retiring his number makes a ton of sense. Um, five-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove, Silver Slugger Award, plus Major League Player of the Year. His career war, if that's your thing, 62.7 overall. Um, his OBP, 337, slugging, 486, OPS, 823, lifetime pretty batting good. average at 254. That might That's be what's keeping good. him out. It was that he played in batting average era. Right? He did. He did. And 254 was just right under the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hall of Fame, mm, and the, I don't know. And the, I never, rough. I don't think I've ever thought that he was a first ballot guy, but I think he should, should have gotten in. I, I think 77% of the vote, let's say. <laughs> yeah, I think his war is what's going to put him over the edge. 62.7, that's justifiable if you're if you're into that particular metric. Uh, and I, I do. I am. I like it a lot. Um, I don't think it's comprehensive, but it's as close as we have. So right. if you take it one step down and talk about the Braves organization, not the Hall of Fame, but the Braves Hall of Fame is what this is. Right. And yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think it makes definitely. a lot of sense. And I think I think the culture club will look at him like really, really closely. And I think that's how he gets yeah. into the hall. That makes sense. So, that makes sense to me. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. So what um is this a strategic placement prior to them playing Pittsburgh? Oh, absolutely. You want to win those games. Yeah. One hundred percent. I was actually shocked last year that they had the Mariners play in the Guardians, but maybe they like that they chose that opponent to uh, retire Ichiro's number, right? But mm. going into the season, you would have thought that that would have been an easy game to win, right? Right. Come August, not so much anymore. Yeah. So no, I think that the I think the Braves uh, circled this this weekend on the calendar, and they're like, we don't have to worry about the Pirates, the Reds yeah. maybe a little bit, but we don't have to worry about the <laughs> not the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be okay. So a bunch of tickets over to come watch us win. Get ready for the playoffs. We'll be great. It'll be a great weekend for Braves fans. I think you're right. That's a good perspective. And I, maybe I'll just go down and see it. There you go. <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. Um, Very good. Okay. Baseball family, tell us what you think. What were your favorite parts about opening day, opening weekend? Um, are there anything, is there anything we missed? Are there any details that you thought were just absolutely fantastic? Uh, and let us know in the comment section below. You can also send us messages on other places. We'll let you know all about that stuff after this really exciting interview with Mike Greenberg. Welcome, baseball family. We have a very special guest with us today. We have Mike Greenberg. You know him from ESPN. He's a host of host of Get Up, Greeny, and now he's the author of Got Your Number, Brigley Show the People the Book. Yeah, man. There it is. I would show. I I had to take the jacket off mine because my green screen doesn't work very well with uh, (laughs) with the jacket. But it's great. It's fantastic book. But we're gonna get into it. But before we do that, we're gonna give Greeny the same treatment that we give all of our guests. He's gonna get a rundown, a condensed version because we don't have a whole lot of time. But here we go. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. First question for you is: What is your quest? 
Well, that's a really interesting question. Um, that is my quest. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how to answer that. So I will just say the first thing that came to my mind. Um, and I think that, I think my, my, my quest is to try and create an environment in my professional life where there is, um, where we were, it is a little bit less nasty and angry than I feel like most media is this, these days. Like, um, there's so, even inside the sports world, but, but obviously much more noticeably outside the sports world, I feel like the, the way that we talk to each other and the way that we debate with each other and the way that we deal with each other has gotten so ugly and awful in so many ways that um, what I try to do, and I, I didn't set out this way, and Mike and I didn't set out to do this when we first started, we just sort of fell into this because it's kind of the, the way we were as people, is just to kind of create a friendly environment where people can have a reasonable conversation every now and again. Um, so I don't know, I don't know that that's really a quest, but, but when you asked me the question, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I think it's awesome. That's- Terrific. That, and that goes in line with our brand. We do baseball together. We don't care who you are. We want to do it together. I like it. So what is your favorite color? Green. Uh, obviously, my last name is Greenberg and my eyes are green. And so that's always been kind of a thing. So if you ever play golf with me, you will see that my I always have a green glove. And uh, my golf ball, my little Titleist Pro V1X has greeny in green along the side, every single one of them. I will not play with any other ball. Uh, if I run out of those balls and someone says, I got a ball for a greenie, I'll say, no, nope, I'm walking off. I'm done. I, I can't play without the greenie <laughs> ball. Um, and I generally always have something green. So green is, un- it's, it's, it's not, it's more than just my favorite color. It's sort of my whole, it's sort of my whole being. That's awesome. That is awesome. Okay. First, uh, favorite baseball team. Is it the Mets? Is that right? No, it was the Yankees. So I grew up a Yankee fan. So my okay. both of my parents are from the Bronx. Um, my dad, as I have mentioned lately a lot because we're p- promoting the book, my dad dedicated his first book to Joe DiMaggio, even though the book had nothing to do with sports at all because he so wow. idolized DiMaggio. When DiMaggio, I was, start, I was working at ESPN when we got word in the newsroom that DiMaggio died. And I, I genuinely, of all the phone calls I've ever had to make in my life, Calling my dad to tell him that DiMaggio was dead is one of the worst days that I've ever had. Um, And my mom, too. My mom grew up walking distance from Yankee Stadium, and she had an uncle who took her to all the Yankee games. So her favorite player was Phil Rizzuto. And (laughs) so we were were a Yankee family. That's That's awesome. awesome. So if the Yankees were a beverage, what would they be? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, so... (laughs) So that is, is that a way of trying to ask me what my favorite beverage is, or is that my way, your way of trying to to ascertain what I think the Yankees remind me of? Because I don't know that those are necessarily the same thing. I mean, the Yankees, I think, would like to think that they are like, you know, a bottle of, of Dom Perignon, like like some extremely, you know, um, exclusive uh, champagne. Um I don't know. Like most of my favorite sports teams tend to lose a lot. The Yankees are the only ones that don't. So most of them are like, uh, like the Jets are like a cheap beer. The Jets are like, a, <laughs> the Jets are like Rolling Rock or something like that, yeah, um, Rock. which is what I grew up drinking from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. 
<laughs> but but I'll I'll say something more like a a Belvedere vodka. How about that? That's a sort of go. a a classy vodka. So on a good day, it sounds good, but the reality is most of the time it just makes you angry. Yeah, we had <laughs> we had somebody who's a Red Sox fan called the Red Sox orange juice and toothpaste. So oh, I, mean, I, I, I kind of like that. I, I, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That's that's not necessarily yeah. a beverage. Right. I, I guess it could be a beverage. Could be a <laughs> lunatic, but, but I like yeah. that. As a Yankees fan myself, I was very pleased with the orange juice and toothpaste uh, reference. I thought that was fabulous. <laughs> that's funny. All right. If baseball was an ice cream flavor, what would it be? You know, what's the most, you know, baseball is apple pie, right? So, so, you know, I like, I like a scoop of vanilla ice cream on a nice warm apple pie. So I'll go vanilla, even though that's, that's going to, if you just took that out of context, it would sound like I was diminishing baseball because people have a negative association. People will think I'm saying baseball is vanilla, which it is most definitely not. But um, I, I mean, I guess nothing is more sort of distinctly American than, than vanilla ice cream. Um, I don't even know why I'm saying that. I get, it maybe it could be a chocolate vanilla swirl um, because it, <laughs> you know it's a it's a little more exciting. Yeah, we get vanilla a lot actually, and a lot of people say there's nothing wrong with it. It's All just right. the classic. It's no, I happen to like. I think it's a great answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the four questions we ask everybody that comes on the show. Like it, no matter what. So like it. Yeah, thank you yeah. for humoring us. Okay, let's get into the book because I love this thing. We got our advanced copies, been reading through it. One thing I love about it is I don't need a bookmark because I just know what number I'm on. It's fantastic. So easy and quick yeah. to read. I'm it's, glad. And you can also excellent. open to any number you want, any time you want. So if you go yeah. to the wrong one, it really doesn't make any difference. You don't have to have read any of the previous ones to understand <laughs> the context. It's not like, well, I'm seeing The Godfather Part 2. But I didn't yeah. see The Godfather Part One. So who is Al Pacino again? Like, we don't yeah, have exactly. that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, I love the format. It's fantastic. Thank but you. one of the big questions I have for you is like, what went into you putting this list together? I know the premise is that this is a conversation we have all the time about who owns what number. We've talked about this from time to time on our show. But what was kind of your method to your madness with putting this together? So have you guys ever talked to Hembo? If you haven't, you should. You should have him on your show. He's great. He, he was the person who did my research for this. And he, same as Paul Hembikitis, everyone calls him Hembo. He knows as much about baseball as anyone I know knows about anything. But anyway, um, we were sitting around, he and I and a few other people, after Get Up one day, and we started kicking around the fact. I don't, even, I don't know how we came to this, but this was the conversation we were having of how many Hall of Fame quarterbacks – in the NFL, all wore the number 12. It's Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach, Jim Kelly, uh, Bob Greasy, Joe Namath, Ken Stabler, and, and soon to be Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And one of them, in the, one of the guys in the room, Pete McConville, said, yeah, Greeny, they all wore number 12, but who owns the number 12? So, fellas, I've always wanted to do a sports book, and the reason that I haven't done one is that I never had what I thought was a good enough idea. And suddenly I had the idea. So that's where the idea came from. So I hired my man, Hembo, to do all the research for me. So he, the first thing we did was we sat down. He went out and researched, all right, Greeny, here are all the options for number one. Here are all the options for number two, three, and four, and so on. The three was pretty easy. 23 was easy. 42 was easy. 99 was easy. Some of them not so easy. And um, we made the decisions. I mean, mostly I made the decisions, but certainly with a lot of input from him. And then he would research each person that we chose, and then I would write the chapter. 
So that's how we did the book. And what I like most about it, what I hope that, that anyone listening to this conversation will understand about it, is that the book is really two things at once. It is sports debate because I'm choosing. So, for example, number 21, which was a brutal decision to have to make. 21 could be Tim Duncan. 21 could be Deion Sanders. And 21 could be Roberto Clemente. And you obviously couldn't go wrong with any of them. So why did I choose the one I chose? And do you disagree? Now, there's your debate. But it is also a sports history book. Now, when I was a kid, I loved sports history. I read everything about sports history. And I don't feel like there's as much of that in the culture anymore. So I'm proud to have written a book like that. So I think that people, even the most astute sports fans today, will learn a lot, because I most certainly did from the research that we did, will learn a lot about athletes, even the ones they think they know a lot about. You may think you know everything about Babe Ruth. You may think you know everything about Willie Mays. You may think you know everything about uh, you know Michael Jordan and many others. But I promise that when you read this book, you will find out things, at least one thing about each of the 100 that we chose that you did not mm-hmm. previously know. So it's sports debate and sports history at the same time. Well, and I also got to jump in and say that I love the format of the historical context because we live in a Twitter universe right now where people want more bite size than they do want long form. And you have found a way to straddle context and and uh uh, like the impact of the information in such short form content uh, was terrific. So I applaud you for that. That's, Thank and that's you. hard to do. Yeah, that was, that was the challenge for me. So, so, so the book really, my role, a, you know, I had the idea then B I chose the 100 people and then Hembo would do the research. So my role really was trying to organize it. You know, you write a little nice intro and a little nice outro, but then the real challenge of it was, organizing the information to your point in a way that it doesn't just feel like an onslaught of numbers because at some point no matter how remarkable the numbers are you're going to lose interest in that i mean yeah yeah we get it greeny everyone in this book was great um you have to find a way to put the stuff into some sort of hopefully interesting context and and that that really was for me as the writer the biggest challenge i had i'm sure yeah i think that's great who was the hardest person to leave out The two hardest things, the two that didn't make it that I sort of, I still question myself. At number 80, we chose Jerry Rice over the Miracle on Ice team. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the Miracle on Ice might be the most memorable event in the history of American sports. And at the end of the day, we couldn't find another way to get Jerry Rice in the book. And I felt like, first and foremost, this is about the greatest players and the greatest legends. And while that team will always be remembered, and we do have teams in here, it's not just athletes. There are like 72 is the 72 Dolphins, 86 is the 86 Mets. Um, But uh, I felt it was more important. We didn't put any of those in at the expense of an all-time great player. And I, I prioritized putting the player in ahead of, the team. Mm. And I still kind of, I mean, I, what can I tell you? I go back and forth on whether that was the right thing to do or not. I think, I I guess what I'm saying is sitting here now, if you would ask me that question and Jerry Rice wasn't in the book, he would have been an obvious answer. How the hell do you write a book like this without the greatest, probably the greatest football player, all things considered that ever lived. Right. So I don't regret the decision, but that one was hard. And then the other one was the number four, 
was was not to have Lou Gehrig was yes. brutal. And oh, here, here's the, so here's how we made this decision. Okay. So I'm ready. four, there were three, there were three names. There was there was Bobby Orr, there was Brett Favre, and there was Lou Gehrig. Yep. Bobby Orr is the second greatest hockey player that ever lived. Lou Gehrig's legend, because of the ALS and because of of you know the movies and and everything else. Um, might be the greatest. Well, certainly of those three is is the greatest. I mean, we everyone knows his name, if only for tragic reasons. You know, whatever it is, eighty years after his death. Um, but uh, in this one, I didn't feel it was a tie. Like in some cases, I used the player's stature to break a tie, but I didn't think it was a tie. Favre is nowhere near the second best. He's not even anywhere near the second best quarterback that ever lived. Right, sure. Gehrig is the greatest first baseman that ever lived. But if I were to make a list, if you're going to make a list of how, if you're just if you're just naming the greatest baseball players that ever lived, you're going to say a few names before you get to his. If you're going to name the greatest hockey players that ever lived, you're only going to say one name before you get to 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 Bobby Orr. Orr is greater than Mario Lemieux. He's greater than Gordy Howe. He's greater than Mark Messier. He's greater than everybody, anybody that ever lived besides Wayne Gretzky. And as painful an omission, and I obviously you showed me you have the Gehrig pictures back there, as painful an omission as that was. Look, and Hembo, keep, every time we bring this up in an interview that we do together, Hembo keeps saying we didn't have 101 spots. Like we couldn't right. just make one. Mm -hmm. To leave out Bobby Orr, I think, would have been more unjust by this much of a difference. But so that's what I mean when I say it's a good debate. If you had written this book, obviously you would have put Gehrig over Orr, and then I would have called you up and I would have said, I'm going to tell you why you Bobby Orr should have been there. And that's the beauty of it. <laughs> that's um, the beauty. I totally know, agree. And, and back to the very first point I made, when it's all over, I will not wish ill upon you. And I hope you will not wish ill upon me and we'll all of be course. fine. And, and, you know, we are more than entitled to disagreeing about something that at the end of the day yeah. doesn't really mean anything. Um, yeah. But but so that was the way we arrived at that decision. But it was excruciating to me. Yeah, yeah. We thought yeah, I got maybe to number four. It had something to do with Yankee, 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 because it was two, three, four, five. If you'd included Garrett, yeah, that's right. And and there was a part, but that wouldn't have been a good way to make that decision. Like mm -hmm. like there is a part of you that thinks if someone is in a bookstore and they pick this up and they just leaf through it, and, and they just read the beginning, they might think, ah, oh, this is all Yankees. I don't like them anyway. And, and, and put it away. And I, we have every sport represented in this. Hembo actually made me a, a sheet. So for anybody listening to this, there are 24 football players, 20 baseball players, 14 basketball players, nine teams, five Olympians, five boxers, five golfers, four hockey players, four tennis players, three coaches, two drivers, and a horse. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so uh, you know, there, there was a, but, but yes, it would have been all Yankees at the beginning, but that, that would not have been a good reason to omit a guy who looked. No one needs to tell me the legendary stature of um, of Lou Gehrig. Actually, uh, another one that would have been very tough for me. If we couldn't give DiMaggio five, then I might have written a book that left Lawrence Taylor out, and that I, I just couldn't do mm -hmm. it because Lawrence Taylor yeah. got fifty six, and I was able to give him fifty six because we gave DiMaggio five, right. but. In yeah. my opinion, when I think of the number 56, I think of that streak more than anything. That is the most – and I, I think at this point with the way so many people feel about the home run records, 
I actually think the two most beloved records in American sports are Ripken's consecutive game streak and DiMaggio's hit streak. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that would have been a tough choice because you can't write a book like this and leave out Lawrence Taylor. He's the greatest defensive football player that ever lived. So, yep. so, yeah. so the conversation we're having, it, it gives you a sense of, of it was not easy. Like these were hard decisions to make. Mm-hmm. They were fun, but they were hard. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I got to four and I was like, okay, I can see that. That makes sense. Okay, one more question. We'll let you go. This is a bit strictly baseball question. Baseball has an eyeballs problem. What needs to be done to fix that? They're doing it already. I I love what they're doing with the pitch clock. Are are either of you opposed to the pitch clock? No, used to be not anymore. All right. Excellent. Um, I would love to have that debate. I've asked on my radio show for people to call in. I've promised them they will not get yelled at. They will not get I will not shout you down. I want to hear a person make an argument against it. And I want to make sure now this is a baseball podcast. So I'm assuming anyone who's interested in, and you guys is already going to know what I'm about to say. But when they talk about the timeless beauty of baseball and they say that the best thing about it is that it doesn't have a clock, this isn't what they mean. Right. What they've mm-hmm. always meant is that it doesn't have a clock. The game doesn't end when a clock strikes zero the way it does in basketball and in football and in hockey and in almost every other team sport. You have to get 27 outs and you still do. That doesn't, that has not been changed by this. Mm-hmm. What we have, what we have done is remove 25 minutes of nothing from the sport and and unless you really will miss the opportunity to spend 25 minutes watching people spit and scratch themselves uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think anyone will miss anything in fact it is mostly the people who are complaining about this that I think will enjoy this the most because the game this year I think is going to look more like it did when I was growing up in the 70s than it has since the 80s um, so I think the sport is going to have a great year I think the number is going to be really good I think um, I read a story on the air today about how the Mets and their owner, Steve Cohen, have instituted a policy where they are selling tickets for $15 to college students. If you have a college ID, um, you can you can get tickets to a game for $15. I think that is such a great idea. They should do that with high school kids also. Mm -hmm. Like you want to attract younger people. If you go to a baseball game, the experience of going to a baseball game is so singular. It's so fabulous. Um, Like my kids are bigger football and basketball fans than they are baseball fans, but they loved going to baseball games and will still gladly go to a baseball game anytime the opportunity arises. So get people in the ballparks. Baseball has an eyeballs problem, but I think that it also is a, is a, is a, for whatever reason, a convenient punching bag for people who want to make it so and, mm. and they just take some pleasure in complaining about it. Rob Manfred made one statement that made people really mad, and he's kind of never gotten past it when he, you know, it was just a bad choice of words. He shouldn't have called the trophy a piece of metal. He knows that. Yeah. Everyone, I'm sure the second the words were out of his mouth, he knew it. Um, but the truth is that that his ideas are good. This, this is, he, he got the right person. He got Theo Epstein in there. Theo Epstein is going to go, look, someday, guys, Theo Epstein is going to go down as one of the most important people in baseball history. What he did in Boston, what he did in Chicago, and what he is doing for the sport now, I'm not sure how much more of an impact on a sport a person can have than Theo Epstein is going to wind up having had on baseball. So um, was it Mark Twain? I I think that rumors of the demise of the sport have been greatly exaggerated. I think baseball is going to have a great year. We do too. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for joining us so much. Again, this is Mike Greenberg. Check out his book, Got Your Number. comes out on the 4th, correct? April 4th? Tuesday the 4th, yep. and it's available for pre-order right this minute anywhere you order books. Excellent. Awesome. We love thank it. Thank you, guys. Recommend it. Thank you so Thanks, much. Mike. We really appreciate Thanks. taking Enjoyed the time. Thanks. Enjoy it, fellas. Thank you. Holy cow, baseball family. We hope you enjoyed that interview as much as we did. That was so much fun, so enjoyable, and we love doing interviews. We hope you guys love them as much as we do because we're trying to bring you guys some killer conversations. So that was so much fun. It was a great one. It really yeah. was. Baseball family, let us know what you thought, though. Reach out to us through the mailbag or in the comments in YouTube. The mailbag, you can, there's a link in the description of every episode and every clip on YouTube as well. Or you can head to baseballtogether.com. There is a link up in the up the navigation, up the top, so you can easily get there. And it sends an email right to us so we can get some feedback. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, snide remarks, anything you want on the show, send it our way. We would love to hear from you. Brig, why don't you tell them about Chinook Seeds? Man, they are the best seeds ever, Chinook Seeds. They are made here in the United States. For those of you who are here, they're in Texas. They really are the best seeds ever. I always have either Hatch Chili or Parmesan Pep right next to me. I got Hatch Chili right here. I'm going to get into these as soon as we're done and start editing this show. Um, Brad, Parmen what you got with you? Parmesan Pep. Pep. It's not showing up on the green screen, but it's there. <laughs> They really are the best seeds ever. Go over to the ChinookSeedery.com. Use code BTPOD. You get yourself 10% off your order. It does not matter the size of the order. It does not matter what flavor you want. And they released a couple of new flavors recently. So it's very exciting. Jump on and get yourself some Chinook seeds with code BTPOD. It supports us at no cost to you as well. That's right. And don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let us know, like you said, about what you think about what we're doing. You can always uh, like in, in YouTube and then subscribe so you don't uh, for, don't miss anything because we put out a bunch of stuff. And we're going to be putting out more, more stuff to come. We're very excited about it. Baseball family, thank you so much for joining us this week. We will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.